Hello and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 53. I'm Michelle Hawk and I'm here with my shaman sister, Catherine Bird. This podcast was born out of our work in the world, our investigations into our personal and professional aspects of our spiritual practice, asking each other for hours and hours, having these conversations about what are you excited about in your work? What are you doing? What does it mean? And how can we continue to grow? How can we continue to develop, continue to push each other, continue to witness each other, and support each other in our glorious unfolding in our spiritual practice of what we're supposed to do here on this amazing planet. So today we are discussing developing your psychic abilities. I think on the event post, I, I made it say gifts, developing your psychic gifts, but I actually really want to say abilities, and we'll get into more about that, what that means and why your psychic practice is actually a skill and not something that you are uh, innately like gifted. So we'll talk about that distinction as we go. But for now, Kat, how are you doing? I am doing amazingly, getting ready for ceremonial weekend and then you'll be here the next weekend for open your channel retreat and then uh our exciting <coughs> event the next weekend so i am super happy that that's almost here and unbelieving that it's already february again and it seems like we were just sitting here having right. shaman sisters last february talking about things and here we are again so um i'm doing really well Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, I had that um, epiphany yesterday. I was looking through my calendar. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, booking stuff for next week. And I look at next week and half of it is booked out because I'm in San Diego and I got really excited. So, yes, it is. Uh, it is counting down for those of you tuning in, either who are in the San Diego area or willing to go to the San Diego area. We've got a couple of awesome events that Kat and I are offering and there is still space in both of them. So, yeah. And we're actually going to be in Orange, California. So if you're in the L.A. area, uh, it's, it's not that far and our retreat that we're doing together, open your channel, which is all about channeling. Uh, and also we'll have a lot of working on your psychic abilities as well. And within that context, because they go hand in hand and we'll probably discuss a little bit more of that, but we're going to have a, a stay over, uh, intensive retreat and, uh, the 9th, 10th and 11th of February. So Mm -hmm. If you want to come and work with both of us, this is an amazing opportunity to do so. Yes, we are almost never in the same physical location at the same time these days, and it's all the more juicy when we are. So, but for today, we're talking about our developing our psychic abilities. Yeah. Now, this is one of those things that, Kat, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people come to you asking this very question of, how do I be more psychic? right? Or like, how do, how do I get more psychic? Or how do I get better at being psychic? Some variation of this. I hear this all the time. And in my, particularly in my students, I think my clients are, um, you know, sometimes they're ready for that step. Sometimes they're working on their own healing. But, you know, there's this thirst for knowledge of like, okay, I've had my awakening. I've gotten over the facts that I'm not going crazy. Like, I know this isn't, you know, some sort of for, form of psychosis, or I know this isn't some form of um, you know, just making things up, what do I do with it now is quite often where we get people come our way. Exactly. And also because people are experiencing more and, and things are changing and all of a sudden they're uh, having 
awarenesses and, and realizations around things and being like, okay, well, this is something that's happening that's new. And, uh, you know, it's always so funny because there's often this sort of almost push pull within that, within that experience of like, this is something that's happening. That's new. I'm, I'm kind of seeing things or hearing things or having awarenesses. And I really, that's so exciting. And I want to have that. And then also, uh, Oh no, is it going to be too much? Am I going, am I going to see too much? Is it going to be overwhelming? Am I going to see things that are scary? Am I going to be able to control this? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, things like that. I, I, I even had at one of my retreats this summer, I had someone who, who in the middle of the retreat was like, I am seeing things. I'm seeing all of these lights and grids and patterns and I've, and it's not going away. And I'm having <laughs> all of these visuals in, inside of the retreat. She's like, I've never had this before. And, um, you know, it was just like this instantaneous, you know, opening of her sight just from being in the container of the retreat. And, you know, with that, you could feel the palpable, like, excitement and interest and, and, oh, okay, this is, this is fun. And then also the like, oh my gosh, what if this never stops? What if I'm like, you know, won't, won't be able to drive my car properly or, uh, you know, take care of my kid or something because I'm somehow in this altered state for the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, I, I really see that a lot where people are like, oh, but it's, but it's, I don't know. Oh no. What do I do now? Yeah. I think that that inner conflict also comes up a lot whenever people have had really strong upbringing or learned experience about intuition is associated with witchcraft or with some in some kind of religious or spiritual context, you know, so a lot of people that I speak with who have um, upbringings in strict religious households who then have their spiritual awakening, they have to get over that too about, okay, I'm going to hell, right? You know, it was the first thing that they would have been told about anyone who um, claims that they're psychic or who plays with tarot cards or who talks to spirits, right, is a witch or is pretending or is evil and is going to hell, right? And so then there can be a little bit of that too in terms of the push-pull. So um, I think that's a really important thing to talk about or what are some of these sources of resistance that we have to developing our psychic abilities mm -hmm. and how can we acknowledge them because they're real and important and then decide how to navigate from there. So let's talk a little bit about some other aspects of those resistance, you know? So like you mentioned, am I going to see things that are too big or too scary for me? Am I going to be able to control it? Um, and will it put me in a place of non-functionality in my human life? And am I going to, right? Right. And because we, you know, we hear stories or maybe we know people who have entered into what, you know, Michelle and I were having a, a funny conversation this morning about psychotic states and like where it really becomes something that they cannot handle. And so, you know, it, that's a, it's a, it's a very real thing at certain times to kind of have a little bit of concern for some people like, okay, well, what does this mean? What does it mean about me? I think that one of the resistances is that if I have these abilities and I have these things that I'm doing, 
what does it mean about me? Does this mean that I need to quit my job? Does this mean that I need to do this for a living? Am I supposed to be some kind of like telephone psychic? People are going to call me up on the 800 number and I'm going to tell them about their diagramma. Like, what does it mean? Um, and that it, it feels like it, if this is something that I'm opening, then it means that I'm somehow no longer like regular or human or um, can live the same kind of life. So everything, you know, is now in question of who I am and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. There's a grieving aspect quite often that comes with this. And especially since in the Western world here, we live in a society that this isn't the norm. There's then this degree of questioning of, you know, so what does this mean about me and what am I going to lose if I step into claiming this this part of myself? Am I going to lose people that I care about? Are people going to think I'm crazy? Mm -hmm. Is, yeah, am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be, um, you know, am I going to lose my, my job or my street cred or my, my authority or my, you know, if I, is it safe for me to even talk about this? You know, especially if we have a job in corporate America or if we have a, you know, some career or we spend a lot of time in areas of our lives where this isn't the norm, that people aren't speaking this language, there's, uh, there's a de great degree of vulnerability. Like, you know, here in Portland, like we've got a huge Intel and Nike population, you know, so like these massive tech, tech company and like athletics companies. And I have so many closet spiritual people come to me from Intel and Nike where they're like, I can't talk about this at work. I, you know, I don't want to get fired. I don't want to be ostracized. And like, it's, it scares me. Absolutely. And, and I've also worked with a lot of people and um, people going through the transition of leaving those kinds of positions and um, looking at ways to kind of integrate their spirituality and their abilities into, um, you know, these more standard corporate America places. And uh, it can, you know, you're saying grieving and some of that grieving is, is a function of a feeling of aloneness and I think our very first uh, topic was on building spiritual community, uh, our very first podcast episode. So go back to number one and, and <laughs> revisit that because it's very important. Uh, probably one of the foundational aspects of enhancing your psychic abilities is to build a community, a spiritual community, even if it's only one other person that you can talk to about these kinds of things or maybe a Facebook group or or some place that you can feel seen and heard, witnessed, and and like you're not crazy, and you are, you know, able to to have community around this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly important. You know, if you feel safe, if you feel supported, it is going to be easier for you to step into cultivating these abilities in an easeful way, rather than having you, them smack you over the head. So this is part of the you know, potential resistance or that push-pull comes from when we have our awakening experience and we don't know what to do with it. And then there's that fear, you know, that am I going crazy? And then, oh, once you figure out you're not going crazy, like, okay, is this beyond my control? Is this scary stuff? And, um, and so we're referencing here a few of our past episodes. I highly recommend you go back and look on the channeling episode because a lot of what we talk about in relation to channeling 
um, the first channeling episode specifically is applicable here, as well as the protection and boundaries uh, and energetic survival for empaths and healers. So, you know, that's <laughs> I'm go back and watch all of our previous episodes. And right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Basically, I mean, we're talking about, it's all related though, quite honestly. And as we have more and more episodes, it's like, I mean, yeah, we've already talked about this to some degree, but right. that aspect of overcoming the resistance of, is it safe for me to do this? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is safe for you to do this. If you take necessary precautions and call in your protection and do your grounding practice and um, you know make sure that you are completely full and in alignment with your intention, then it will be safe for you to do this. Yeah, in, in presence of your sovereignty and creating a container for this kind of work so that it doesn't become overwhelming for your system. Mm-hmm. Um, so resistances, what, what other resistances do you, do you find that people show up with? I know that one of my personal resistances is the, um, almost the, the, well, that's not who I am. I don't have that ability. I don't do that. And so I've had to really check myself over and over and over again because I will I've I will hear I've heard myself say, "Oh, I don't I don't really see. I don't see things." Right? I'm more of a knowing, feeling, channeling kind of person. But then I had to really tune into, okay, but when I'm in a session, like the thing, like I'm having visions, like think about the way that you know things, you've seen things. It's just that my brain wants to think that seeing something should look a certain way. It should be a certain way, show up in a certain way. And it's just not true. My seeing is the way that my seeing is. And it's amazing. And the more that I put on myself, I don't see, right? I'm just like creating that with my life. Oh, well, then how am I ever expecting to see anything if I say that I don't see? So now I'm very conscious of the fact of giving myself permission to, yes, I see things. This is, and, and even in my work, I am more likely to say, this is what I'm seeing now than I used to be. Um, I, I used to not have that as my missionary of saying that as much. Uh, it, it, it evolved time for sure for me to be able to say, this is what I'm seeing. Um, because I, I don't know, I, I had these concepts in my head of what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important one. It, you know, People put attachment on the way in which our psychicness manifests where, you know, and I've had people say like, Oh, I don't hear things or I don't. Yeah. And, and so I, I agree. I've heard that too of like, I don't receive information in this way, X, Y, Z. And yeah, that's going to be true as long as you keep affirming that. So, you know, if you don't want to hear things, like just keep on saying, I don't, I don't hear things. Um, alternatively, if you would like to hear things, you know, there's some affirmate. All you have to do is ask quite honestly, like really just ask of, I, you know, Hey guides and teachers, like let's help me open up my hearing intuitive abilities. Like help me tune into the messages to the, the words, the sounds that are coming through and you will be astonished at what happens. So that, that form of resistance. And then, um, I think a form of resistance of what if I see something that I can't handle or what if there's, 
you know, if I'm tuning in psychically, what if, you know, sort of that I see a demon or I see something scary or some entity, like, because people hear about entities, right? And hear like, once you open your psychic abilities, once you open your third eye, you're kind of attractive to all these entities and energies that are coming in. So that also another form of resistance which is valid, you know, it is a valid fear to have. Uh, and it is also very easily overcome with proper protection, grounding, and intention practices. Exactly. And requests, right? You can request to see things. You can request not to see things. Hey, I'm really not interested in seeing dead people. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, um, you might still sometimes see things, but... Uh, you can make requests. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. So I would, uh, again, put you back toward look at those episodes in particular, protection and boundaries, um, the channeling episode, and the energetic survival for a lot of tools on those specific aspects. So as we delve into, uh, you know, a little bit more about you know, I guess we kind of skip this part. Like, what do we mean when we're talking about psychic abilities and why abilities and not gifts? <laughs> That's a term a lot, right? Gifts, you know? Okay, I, I mean, I'll just go there right now because not gifts, this gifts implies like, yes, there is an, some innate talent or innate ability to do something, but it also implies that maybe some people don't have that. Or maybe, you know, some people are better at it than others. Or maybe, like, you don't have to work at it. You're just automatically really good. And I firmly believe that any of those attachments that we put with the word gift actually inhibit our ability to hone a skill. So I would much prefer to refer to psychic practice as an ability or as a skill because anybody can do it. Anybody can practice it. Anybody can get really, really good at it. And there might be some people who are born a little bit more open, a little bit more easily able to drop into that space, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn it. So if you really want to, and if it's something that you want to cultivate, it is absolutely within your power to do so. Exactly. It's like some people are, some people are really amazing musicians right when they very first pick up you know, their very first instrument. And some people have to work like heck at that first instrument. But then at a certain point, they're both amazing musicians. And so, you know, we're, we're also just, you know, what are these gifts that we're talking about? Because they can, um, it's, it's such a wide range and so encompasses so many different things and abilities. So, you know, some of these are uh, the clairs, as they call them. So, uh, clear audience, right? So, clear seeing, um, you know, clairvoyance, clear hearing, um, clear sentience, which is a clear feeling, which a lot of like emotional, connecting to emotions, um, empathic abilities. Uh, what's a clear cognizance, which is clear knowing. Um, and then there's other, there's other, you know, terms for other abilities that people have. There's, there's even like clear, uh, what's clear gustance and clear, clear gustance is tasting. 
Mm-hmm. And Claire, Claire Allianz, right? Yeah, for is smelling, right? Yeah. You don't hear about those as much. <laughs> well, and I mean, yet sometimes that comes up. Like I've, you know, especially if I'm working with someone with either human or animal with health concerns, you know, or like if I'm talking to an animal and they're telling me like, oh yeah, and I smell something, like I smell some household cleaner that they're really objecting to or, you know, so it, it does happen for sure. I'll taste pennies and be like, I have this really metallic taste in my mouth. And then we're talking about like heavy metal toxicity. So yes, it does come up. So, so the clairs, um, and, and then all of these different means of receiving information. Ultimately, that's what we're talking about with the clairs is how do you get information? Are you seeing, are you hearing, are you feeling, are you knowing, are you smelling, are you tasting, are you, you know, some combination of all of those. And quite often, I would say usually actually people have kind of a primary one or two and the others are embroidered through there. And yet, again, like we were saying, if you want to cultivate the rest of them, you can. And, you know, quite often all you have to do is ask and then practice. Really, what I have found is, um, you know, and so I, I get it all. I asked. I was one of those people. I was not nervous about this in the least. I was one of those people who was like, yeah, give it all. Like, I, yep, just bring it. Bring it on. And And as a result, it's been a process for me to, like, embroider and have like these different inputs these different sensory inputs so like as part of a psychic vision or a psychic experience like i'll have an image i'll have a sound or words that go with it i'll have some knowing information about it i'll have like a feeling in the body and um an awareness about these other parts right so it's a very holistic piece because i've asked for that and because i've asked for really clear information and the best way to hone that and practice that is simply to practice that really quite honestly like there's no hot tip or there's no secret to this at all (laughs) wait you just like cats out of the bag there's no there's no hot tip and secret practice this shit (laughs) 10,000 hours and then you'll be fine you know and I'm sorry sorry not sorry to say it's one of those like really that's all and ultimately that should be an enormous relief and just as much as anything else. Like, oh, that's it? But yeah, that's it, quite honestly. Yeah, so how do people practice then? There are, uh, if you're, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, if you're interested in, uh, in psychic chairs or psychic practice, I mean, there's all sorts of meetup groups or Facebook groups or you know, whatever groups. Um, for instance, like just looking at, you know, who's on here, I saw, um, I saw somebody on who I've spoken with about practicing animal communication. And so I know that this, that is a form of psychic practice is doing animal communication work. And so there's animal communication share groups where, you know, everybody posts a picture or somebody posts a picture and everybody practices talking to that animal and then you share your messages and then you get feedback. So that's one way. Um, if you've got... Ideally, I would say actually it's really good if you're practicing your psychic awareness to work with people or animals that you don't know or you don't know very well because our emotional bias is one of the things or our our energetic bias can get in the way. It doesn't mean necessarily that the information that you would be getting would be wrong, but say for example, you know, if I'm uh, if I'm working with my dog you know, I have a very clear intuitive 
intuitive relationship with my dog. I can hear her very well, like very, very clearly. She's an excellent communicator. But if she were to be in health crisis or if there were to be something really dramatic and challenging going on, it would be really hard for me to connect with her because of that intense emotional connection. So I would actually hire out for for somebody in that case, you know, if there were some huge crisis going on and I didn't necessarily feel like I had a clear connection, I would hire out. Um, I got off track a little bit there. How do we practice? How do we practice? Practice, practice groups. That's one option. Practice groups. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, like a lot of people have, uh, you know, a, a professional practice of some kind, like they're doing, um, you know, some kind of body work or coaching or some other kind of work. And, um, you know, it, it, if you're, if you have people that you're willing to be like, Hey, I just got this. Does this mean anything to you? And, um, one of my, uh, you know, one of my former business partners, we, um, did men's coaching together and she's very intuitive and psychic. And, um, but that wasn't really something that was okay in her childhood. And so it was something that was hidden. But when we, when we would work with people, we worked with a lot of very non-woo-woo dudes. And uh, so she would just preface stuff, you know, hey, I might be wrong about this, but this is what I'm getting. This is what I'm sensing. This, uh, does this resonate with you? And then, you know, over time, getting people who are like, uh, yes, and oh my gosh, and how did you know that? And wow, that really lands on me. You know, over time, having that experience with people gives you that confidence to go, okay, so maybe I don't always have to preference it with, you know, I might be wrong here or, or whatever. But, um, you know, in, in certain cases, you, a lot, a lot of times I talk to people and the thing is that they get things for their clients, um, in sessions and then they just don't say it. They just keep it in because, because they're not sure how to approach that. And that's just a really simple, easy, uh, tool to use to start to be able to kind of let this stuff come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or we're afraid we might be wrong, right? And see, you know, I've been doing this for years and years now. I still have that come up, quite honestly. Like, it doesn't come up nearly as often as it used to. You know, it was like at the very beginning, this almost paralyzing fear of like, oh my God, is it going to work? Like, is my psychicness going to work in this session? Here I am in this barn full of horses, and I'm supposed to be talking to the horses and like heart pounding, you know, having done it a million times by that point. And yet, you know, there's this almost relief I experienced every time it did work because there's like, you know, not taking it for granted, something fairly intangible. Um, And so I would also like to offer, you know, even if you don't have a professional practice, you know, so say you're not a body worker, you don't have any opportunity where you can just include it in your existing practice. People are into psychic stuff. Like, you know, more and more these days, there are more and more people who are curious about that or like who have always been like kind of wanting to go see a psychic or whatever. So if you've got somebody that, you know, maybe a friend or or someone like an acquaintance or you get kind of chatting about it or put out an offer on Facebook. This is another thing is like people are all over this shit. Put an offer on Facebook saying like, hey, 
I will do free practice readings because I want to practice. I want to practice my psychic reading skills. I'll do a free reading for the first five people who private message me and send me a photo and tell me like one question that you want to ask or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. But um, I have found when doing distance readings, it is helpful to have a photo and the physical location. It's not strictly necessary. Um, but I mean, you know, people have different kind of levels of comfort around that. So you can ask for, just put it out there and say, this is something I want to do. And you will probably have people jump on it because that's cool. People are into it. People love hearing stuff about themselves. And so, I mean, if nothing else, then you get a practice reading, a practice situation, and they get to hear something cool. Mm -hmm. um, so how else? How, how else do we, so practice. So that's, that's a lot of practice. We've given yeah. you a lot of practice tips. Ooh, um, I have actually, I have a couple more that are cool, you know, so if you want to like, warm up to it a little before you put yourself out there in that way, because that, that might be a little intimidating. It might be, I don't know, maybe more than you want to push your comfort zone for right now. Start with plants, start with animals, start with crystals. You know, if it feels a little bit intimidating to jump to people right away, what I would suggest is find a stone that you know what it's called, but you don't know what it's for. And, uh, you know, so people ask me all the time, like, oh, what's this stone for? I will never straight up answer a person, never. Or like essential oils, no. What I will instead say is go ask the stone or go ask this plant. And so then you go sit with the stone and you feel its energy, um, ask it to introduce itself to you, ask it, like, notice where do you feel it in your body, practice the different clairs, right? So if you want to practice these different layers of experience, notice what do you see with this stone? What do you feel with a stone? What do you hear with a stone? What do you smell with a stone? What do you like, you know, what do you know? What message does it have for you, etc. And then after you go through all these layers, then go look it up. Mm -hmm. And that's your own personal check mechanism. Honestly, though, that practice is flawed because there are so many books out there that just have a generic little thing about amethyst is calming. And like, of course, amethyst is so much more infinitely complex than that. Yeah, but it's not going to always be that way for you at that moment. Right. But it's a start. And same thing with essential oils. You know, if you're holding an oil, again, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you feel? At, or you know, again, animal guides, you can do something with that too, but it's a system for you to kind of like test yourself and then go look it up. You know, it's like the practice test, right? Or just, you know, then be with that stone, use that oil and see if that, those are the results that you're getting. Um, you know, all of my, I did a lot of my, my more shamanic journey work I did uh, with plants before I ever uh, even thought about, um, I like I wasn't even sure quite the concepts around uh, working with people and so on and so forth at that point, but working with plants and uh, trees and uh, doing you know journey work with them. So it's the same thing. And so that's, that's a really good one, Michelle. Mm -hmm. And you know, places too, right? You can go into a place, into an old building, creep yourself out real good. Um. <laughs> oh my god and then go read about the history of the building and say like oh my gosh I saw a, a you know a dead man standing in that corner where somebody died like that's a, you know if you want to do that 
that's yeah for sure um and and sometimes you have those right like my mom i know that she she lived in a house and she would hear this like really heavy footsteps up and down the stairs at night and she was like banging around and eventually she went and learned the the um the history of this old house where there was a judge who was very drunkenly and he would come home every night super drunk (laughs) so the old judge was climbing the stairs one more time uh-huh yeah so, so some really good ways that you can go practice um and yeah and i'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean honestly again just doing it like whatever excuse you can find to do this is going to be your best option yeah so a lot of um you know just solo in internal practice is really helpful um, it's nice to get feedback from people because then you have something to go, oh, okay, well, okay, you're telling me that, that that's true or that resonates with you or whatever that is. But it is really important to just do your, your own personal individual practice. And so what about, Michelle, some maybe tools or kind of techniques or tips or something like that that you use or that you teach for people who are working on certain skills? Mm. Well, let's, um, before we do that, I mean, let's talk about some other examples of how does our psychicness manifest, right? So we talked about channeling. We talked about animal communication. Um, I know a lot of people do dream work, right? Like people get information in the context of dreams. Uh, intuition in regards to uh, body work. You mentioned body workers, so like you know, reading energy flow and uh, and pathways through the physical form. Um, doing. You talked about seeing dead people, right? I see dead people. I know you do too. And so like, there's mediumship uh, in that way. Uh, working with akashic records, working with past lives, working with um, you know, and galactics, like we've done a lot of different episodes about different these things. Um, There's psychometry, which is like holding an object and being able to get an impression from it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is, uh, you know, any kind of healing work is utilizing these, these gifts Mm -hmm. and um, you know, other gifts as well. And we'll, you know, we've talked about those things and probably, have some other episodes to come on that, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, our, our different kinds of, of working with our healing gifts are also utilizing our, what we're picking up, what we're being aware of. We're being aware of energy. We're being aware of sensing, uh, emotions of sensing things. So, mm-hmm. um, what else, what are, what are some of the other ways that this can show up for people? Um, uh, I would talk about, um, well, we discussed this in our channeling episodes, but different ideas or inspiration, technologies, um, you know, things that traditionally fall under the muse categories. So like art, music, art, writing, yeah. um, you know, there is like channeled writing and then there's also very inspired <laughs> writing. Um, so, you know, basically like a spirit just totally coming through and taking you over. And then there's also where you're, you know, working with working with these inspirations and and abilities that are are bringing things in. It is such a huge part of our lives that we're not usually aware that it is happening almost more often than not. 
And when you mm-hmm. feel like you're in the flow state that they talk about a lot right now, like, oh, I'm in the flow state, um, which is a place where your brain waves have, have actually shifted. Uh, if you're in a space where um, I'm feeling very inspired, connected, these are often places where these gifts um, are are there. They're they're vibrating with us at the, at those those times and those moments. Synchronicities, right? A lot of times we'll go, oh, synchronicities. I'm I'm having synchronicities in my life. Well, some of those are, you know, little little messages that we're getting, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We had somebody chat in a question asking about, is it helpful to practice this work outside or in nature, away from the city, away from EMFs or energetic stimuli? It can be. I don't think it's strictly necessary. It, uh, you know, it depends on your degree of sensitivity. It depends on also, quite frankly, your intention and your protection and your grounding. So again, you know, I really encourage you to go back to those episodes to talk, you know, because the way in which we are more sensitive to EMFs or sensitive to electric frequencies, um, our sensitivity is increased when we are not grounded, when we are unhealthy, when we are um, susceptible, you know, so just like our bodies have. Huh? We have heavy metals um, that makes us extremely EMF sensitive. Um, when our our organ systems are off, in you know, like Chinese medicine, um, I'm I'm very I'm very aware of EMF and and quite uh, sensitive to it. Uh, I don't live in the city. One of the reasons that I don't um, that and because I have better birds out here, and <laughs> um, but. But I, I mean, I can still, I can still do this work in the city, even, even if it, even if I don't like to be in the city as much. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately don't let it be a deal breaker for you. No, you know? don't be like, oh, well, I can't because of this. Right. Or I can only be psychic under these conditions. You know, again, there are, you know, sort of these like optimal, you know, so when, when, Kat, when do you feel the most psychic? Like when do you, when is it easiest for you? You know, that flow state, what are some of the things that are in place where it's just effortless? Um, I've, I'm well rested is a big one. Um, I've done personal practice for myself. I've grounded. Um, I have space, so I don't feel like I'm, I'm being rushed. Um, those are probably those are probably huge ones for me and that I'm asking that I've shown up and I've connected to my guides. I've connected to my higher self and I'm asking for information. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get actually a lot of information unless I'm specifically asking for it. I don't run around all day long, you know, getting things all the time. (laughs) Honestly, I have intuitive hits about things and feeling states about things, but it really is asking me. Right. And Kat, I think ultimately that speaks to the aspect of setting the intention and having office hours, psychic office hours, which I know we talked about in channeling episode and mediumship episode where if we, you know, kind of part of that fear that we talked about at the beginning and potential resistance at the beginning of, well, once I open my psychic awareness, am I just going to be hit over the head with stuff all the time? No, not if you, you know, sub- 
say like, these are my open hours, you know, or, or I'm sleeping now, don't bother me, come back tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? And so when we're asking like, okay, I'm ready, I'm open to receive information, there's that extra degree of permission and invitation too. Yeah, um, and this is really important when you're opening up these abilities because a lot of people, what happens is they start to open these things up and then all of a sudden I'm getting a message from here and a message from here and this person wants, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, oh, I'm at the grocery store and this person's whatever needs to hear this thing. And people think that that means that they're supposed to do that and they're supposed to be that way all the time. And you don't have to, you can totally human out just because you're working on these uh, skills doesn't mean you're not human and you can't be human and, and relax, go see a movie, um, drink a beer, like be normal too. It just doesn't mean you're not, not going to ever be normal and you're just going to be flooded with messages all over the place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think um, to your list, I would add well-nourished for, you know, kind of these conditions. And again, it's not conditional upon these, but like the times when I feel most easily in tune with just letting it flow through me are I've had enough sleep. I had, again, like not feeling rushed, especially in the morning, you know, before I'm taking appointments or whatever, I did my own personal practice. I've had my proper minerals. I've had, you know, my blood sugars in a good space. Um, a little bit, little bit of nice caffeine, <laughs> cup of tea for me. Um, not too full, like not like, oh, I'm going to go eat a giant heavy meal and then try to really tune in. That's not going to be the best place. I mean, nourished, but not like overly saturated with, um, the, your, all of your energies in the gut trying to, trying to, uh, work on digestion. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny you mentioned caffeine. I can't do coffee on a day that I, I have to be psychic it is really hard for me. And I mean, I can still do it, but it's just like, I feel like I have to muscle through it as opposed to just letting it go. But I can do tea. So yeah, tea. I don't yeah. drink coffee very often. And usually not on days that I'm really active. When I work with people, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Same thing. I, I had to learn that the hard way. I had this one time I remember I had a cup of coffee and, or I mean, it might've been like a cup and a half and I had a client coming over half an hour later and I felt like I was vibrating out of my skin. I'm like, you know, this sort of feeling. And it was a lot of work for me to, and I mean, I was fine to do the session, but I had to ground and ground and ground and breathe and like do embodiment practice. And then finally, by the time he came over, I was in a good spot, but I mean, I don't have time for that all the time. So just like, don't drink the coffee if you have, you know, if you want to be psychic later, like, and that's your deal breaker or that's the thing that makes it hard for you. Yeah. Um, you. Yeah, you get to learn these things again by, also I would highly, highly hot tip here, keep a journal of your psychic experiences. Hot tip. <laughs> yeah, there's a hot tip, there's, there it is, is keep a journal. Um, <laughs> but you know, notice not only, you know, pay attention to, and actually here I'm gonna give you some journal prompts or some things to note in your journal for your psychic experiences, how did you feel going in? You know, so like, how was your mental state, your emotional state, your physical state, your, your well-being? What was the experience itself like? How did you receive that information? You know, just as important as the information that you received, but how? Did you see it? Did you hear it? Did you smell it? Did you feel it? Did you know it, et cetera? So which of the clairs? And, um, and then how did you feel afterwards? 
So really kind of noticing bookending the experience and then also during the experience, not only what happened, but in what way. Super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and just from a, a chatted in question, when we're talking about grounding, um, you know, earthing grounding with your feet off on the earth, amazing. You're not always going to have a time to put an hour a day of your feet on the earth and maybe it's snowing and whatever. So, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here is energetic grounding of being present inside the body, of utilizing focus on the breath, of feeling the legs, feeling the feet, feeling the toes, breathing down into the earth, connecting into the earth, into the, the energy body, into the earth's energy body, and being very present with the electric field of the earth and using uh, slow breathing to connect to that rhythm of the earth instead of, oh, I'm way up here. And sometimes we, we, when we're you know, developing things up here, we can, we can feel a little ungrounded. So it's super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the bigger the foundation, you know, so we've talked about the pyramid thing before. I know I've given this little diagram, but you know, if you want to build a pyramid, and the base is this big, your pyramid can be this tall. You know, base of the pyramid is this big, your pyramid can be this tall. And in the case, in this analogy, your pyramid is your psychic structure. And the bigger your foundation, the higher, quote unquote, you'll be able to go, meaning the more easily and effortlessly you will be able to access your intuitive psychic abilities and energies. So putting effort into the foundation of your practice is essential. Um, so what other uh, tips can we, can we leave people with here for developing these abilities? I would encourage people to develop not only in the area or what I would consider like the, your primary area of interest, but flex your muscles in other ways as well, because it will make you a better practitioner in your primary area of interest. So, you know, imagine like going to the gym and all you do is bicep curls because you want super ripped arms, right? It will throw, <laughs> for this analogy, like, oh my gosh, I'm that guy. <laughs> don't be that person, right? And then they're walking around on little stick legs that look like they're going to break, right? Don't be that person psychically or energetically either. So, you know, it's really important to have in this analogy to have a really well balanced, appropriately developed body, you need to work different parts of yourself. You need to work different muscle groups. And ultimately then that makes that person more able to support muscle mass in a certain area, right? So the same thing goes energetically where if you wanna be really, really good at this one thing psychically, also practice other things because it will enhance your ability to have more depth and have more understanding different aspects of this practice rather than if you just go do the one thing all the time, it's going to get stagnant. It's going to like inherently, if you do one thing forever and ever and ever, if you do one personal practice every single day, like it's going to get stagnant. So doing other things and practicing developing other areas of interest is going to help you in this primary area. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, utilizing tools, so, um, you know, uh, tarot cards or different kinds of card decks, ruins, uh, pendulums, um, what else? What else can we, 
I mean, learn how to read tea leaves or palms or astrology or like any of these ways that we can connect to another person energetically and um, and even to ourselves. Like, okay, so I'm going to read these cards every day for myself. And what do I get? And, uh, you know, about this situation that I have in my life and then kind of see what I get and then see what happens. And, um, you know, these ways are kind of like doorways because it's really hard sometimes to just sit in front of somebody and be like, oh, well, I, you know, get this and that, like that can be really challenging. So if you have a tool of, okay, this is what I see here. And then you can start to let other things kind of come in from the sideline and kind of bleed into the reading and the experience that you're having with this person based on just impressions that you're getting that are coming to you. It may or may not, like some of the best card readers, it's like, you're like, you're not even, like, you're not using these cards. Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, because they're just like going through and, and they're getting impressions from like, that's not in that card. Like, <laughs> you know? So that's a good tool. Oh yeah. The tools I think, and especially for somebody who's beginning their practice, you know, there's that that comfort. It's almost like a degree of removal, you know, and because again, we're humans, we have egos, like we like to be right. We like to, you know, and we want to make sure like, how can I set myself up for success and having a good experience doing this work and it's fun to do cards. Cards are beautiful. They're pretty like my favorite tool that I was using, especially, you know, actually I used for quite a long time. I still use somewhat occasionally, but much less because I I rely on it much less is a pendulum. And I made so many pendulums. I gifted people pendulums. I, I sold them and I taught pendulum workshops, you know, because they're fun. They're pretty, they're sparkly. They're made of beautiful crystals. They're shiny. And it's also a degree of, okay, I get this piece of information. I'm going to test it and get a yes or a no. Like, you know, confirming before I deliver this information. And I would say the contexts under which I still use a pendulum primarily are with really, really challenging information. So, you know, asking some deeply, deeply vulnerable questions, you know, if, for example, I'm working with um, an animal who's gone missing and the person is wondering if their animal's still alive or not, you know, and like tuning into, okay, well, I feel like they're still in their body, but I want to make sure, or I feel like they've left their body, but I want to make sure, um, you know, that that's an example where like, okay, extra degree of validation before I deliver that information. But it does take kind of a little bit of step of removal and, um, you know, sort of protecting our, our fragile egos as we're developing a new skill for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, uh, like, you know, I just want to talk about like how we, you know, kind of approach, um, approach things. And we talk about the third eye and we talk about this, like, uh, awakening this area and there are, you know, different little practices and videos and, and things on, you know, saying all different kinds of conflictory information as to um as to like how to how to do this um and some of it is not trying so hard 
and I know that I'm, I'm a, I, I got to get things right and I'm, I got to be good at everything kind of a person. So I will over try <laughs> a lot of times and like exhaust myself in the over trying and the overlooking and the over like trying to find the answer. Um, not actually helpful. And that, you know, we can think about the third eye being here in the forehead. And a lot of times people will kind of like really focus all their attention and energy here. Um, but actually this center runs all the way through the head and through to the back of the head, to the back of the skull back here. And, you know, in, in my channeling work, I talk a lot about really connecting to this part of the body and this part of the skull. And, and I've, I found that very helpful for people to be able to connect and, and open up their channel. And so just having that conscious awareness of that, it's not just, it's not like you're just going to, it's not like this is the movie screen and you're going to see the movie on your forehead. If you just look hard enough with your eyeballs there, um, it's, it's, there's a, a larger scope of, of, uh, reality of energetic reality going on with the third eye, thinking about it coming straight through and then also all the way around the head. So, being conscious and aware of that and, and even massaging and relaxing uh, these areas of the head can be very helpful before going in. It's like, oh, well, if it's super tense, there's muscle tension. That's also like I need to, can open that up and create more blood flow to the brain. Uh, that it, it kind of like relaxes this part of the body. Relaxing, stretching and opening and relaxing the neck can be very helpful before, you know, doing a little, just a little yoga before, before going into maybe I'm going to sit with this crystal can be very helpful just to get the energy and the blood flowing and to relax, um, relax the head. And, and another uh, tip that, I mean, tool that I use, you know, some people, they close their eyes. I have, um, you know, I have a client and she's like, I work with my client. I close my eyes when I start. I open my eyes at the end. That's it. I don't know. I don't open my eyes at all the whole session. And um, I will close my eyes sometimes in sessions, but I actually have found over the years that I don't close my eyes. That if I if I actually relax my eyes and allow um, kind of almost a different um, like the muscles to relax and then readjust so that there's a little bit of almost, um, I don't know what they call that. What do they call that? It's like, they're not, they're not super focused on one thing. Focus. It's a soft focus and, and there's different muscles that are, that are coming into play than usually if I'm looking at something like I'm reading a book. Um, it's like now I would not be able to read a book, but somehow that that focus of my eyes helps me to to see in a way. So um, playing with okay, what works for you? Well, if I keep my eyes open and I kind of focus on this whole part of my brain, that that feels really easy to me. Or if I do soft focus, maybe looking at a candle and finding like that focus point is really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. um, what works for everybody is not necessarily gonna be the thing that works for you the best, and figuring out your own thing is, is really helpful. 
Right. Which is again, going back to the journaling and keeping record of your experiences is going to be one of your most valuable tools in cultivating your, your psychic abilities in your practice. So again, you know, what, how are you feeling going in? What do you notice during the experience? And a lot of these tools that Kat just listed would be really valuable to keep track of, of like, okay, well, where was my awareness in my field? How, you know, what practices did I do as a warm up? You know, did I do yoga? Did I do embodiment practice? Did I set an intention? Did I light a candle? You know, just really delve into all those variables so that then you can notice like, okay, when I do, and then you do this a bunch of times, right? And then you go back and you look through and you say, okay, well, when I do a practice that opens up my body, my information is much clearer. Or when I try to do psychic work on an empty stomach, I don't feel as connected to the information or like, or on a super full or whatever the deal is. But having, honestly, like keeping track of this information I'm such a nerd and it really serves even in the psychic realms. I love spreadsheet. Better psychic spreadsheet. <laughs> um, I didn't actually do this. I'm just saying like, if that's your jam, but like keep track of what are all these different pieces and notice there will be commonalities. I love that. Michelle, that's going to be your opt-in on your, the psychic spreadsheet. <laughs> oh my God. Is that my lead magnet? My, yeah, it's your lead magnet. No, don't do that. Um, yeah. Maybe one person would be interested. <laughs> one super left brain psychic person. Um, exist. So what else? I, I had something, but I forgot. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, I was just going to leave people with like a little, um, you know, walk yourself through. Also, like, don't try to do it for super long at first. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, like just a, just a few minutes, like just give yourself little spurts. Don't be like, oh, I have to sit here for an hour and focus on this thing. No, yeah. you really don't. Um, and you will have, uh, you know, you will have days, you will have times of day that you are more tuned in and more psychic. Some people are exhausted in the evening and it is not going to do them any good to do this kind of work in the evening. Some people aren't at their best in the morning. Some people, you know, I'm probably the best like in the, you know, like I'm not going to get up and give you an 8 a.m. anything. So, um, you know, afternoon are going to be, is going to be best for me. And also on certain days, um, the, the cosmos affects us a lot. So, uh, what's going on in the planets will actually affect our abilities in some ways. And also for women, and I believe also for men that we are affected by our cycles. And, you know, a lot of women do express that when they're, when they're on their moon, they're, they feel more psychic and have more psychic information coming in, which, you know, will just mean that on other days you might feel less psychic. You might feel more on some. So that's another thing you can journal of kind of tracking just the dates and the days and, you know, times when you feel more on it and when you don't, and then you will know, Oh, well, like this is when the best time for me to connect is first thing in the morning. Right. And again, don't let it be a deal breaker. So what you're doing is you're gathering information and finding the, the most ideal, like the most, okay, under these conditions, it is easiest for me to reach this state. But that being said, do not let 
that be a if you want to be psychic at another time or under other conditions or you know you're really invested in um, getting a piece of information for somebody or it's an emergency or something you can still be psychic under other conditions don't make it like well I don't have my pendulum and I don't have my my meditation cushion and I don't have my journal and I don't have my <laughs> practice like you can still be psychic I promise just ask ultimately again you know I know we've said this like a bajillion times intention is your most powerful tool I think that's our first time we said that on this episode but other episodes, we talk about that a lot. Intention is your most powerful tool. And, and you- the next one is self-awareness, which we talk about in all of our episodes. So it's not just that you're going to receive some information from out in the great beyond. It, a lot of it is tracking your own sensations, your own feelings, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your gut, what's going on in your skin. Are you getting goosebumps all of a sudden when you start talking about something? Um, you know, there's, there's these sensations that are happening. And so that self-awareness, which comes from spending time alone and spending time in the quiet and hanging out with yourself and, and noticing your responses to things, uh, is, is also the piece. So intention and self-awareness, those are kind of the tools for everything in the world. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Yes. Everything. Everything, everything, intention and self-awareness. So give yourself, you know, set yourself up for success with your practices, with your, um, you know, with your journal, with your consistency, with your, your regularity, with committing to the work, but then also understand that even without all that stuff, you can still do it anyway. And I would offer that advice, particularly to beginning practitioners, because I know that's something that I had to... Uh, I had to get over was the idea of like, okay, for my healing work, you know, I remember at the beginning of my practice for my healing work, like, well, I need my feathers and I need my drum and I need my crystals. And you know what? And I think Kat, we even talked about this on a certain episode, like Mm -hmm. I really like to have all those things, but I don't need them in order to do my healing work. And I really like having my quiet space, my sort of optimum hours and my optimum nutrition and everything for my psychic abilities, but it's, I don't have to have that. You know, and so give yourself that permission of set yourself up for success, but don't let it be a, like an excuse that you can't do it if you really need to or want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. Well, I th- huh? I said really good. Yay. <laughs> yeah. We're all really good. Oh, and here's one other thing. One other piece of information that I have for you, people who are working on developing your psychic abilities, you are already good. You are already good at being psychic. The only thing that will change, and perhaps you can guess what I'm going to say, but what is the only thing that could possibly change from where you are now to being a professional psychic or whatever? I don't even know. (laughs) What's the only thing that can change? is your practice, is your practice. That's really quite it, is how many times you do it. But the actual energetics of psychic work, you're already tuned into. You're already receiving the information, but the thing that changes is your comfort with it, your ability to allow it to move through you, your ability to say yes, and your ability to discern between what, oh, we didn't even talk about that. Like what is mine and what is not mine? That's like one of the most fundamental components of psych. 
Hi, everybody. We dropped the ball on like one of the most important pieces here. I'm going to tell it to you because it really is quite this easy. What is mine and what is not mine? Like discernment and being able to say like, okay, this thing that I'm seeing belongs to me. This thing that I'm seeing does not belong to me. Mm -hmm. And actually knowing the difference. And the only way that you can do that is by doing it 10,000 times. And asking and, and ask. And, and basically every we spent this whole hour talking about. Um, if you want more about that, I know we talked about, uh, we had an intuition episode that we did quite a while ago. That was an early episode um, about intuition and practicing your discernment. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so I would okay. refer you back to that. We've mentioned the intuition episode, the protection and boundaries. Um, let's see, the channeling episode. Energetic survival. Energetic survival for empaths. So you've got, you know, another five hours worth of shaman sisters to check out that you'll have tons of, of tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. And anything else, Michelle, that, that we've, we need to address? Mm, I would just say, you know, drop us a line. Let us know how it goes. You can contact us through our email address, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. We are available to hear from you. And we like hearing updates. So go ahead and shoot us a message. Let us know how your practice is going. Let us know if there's anything that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. Send us some topic ideas. Send us fan mail. Send us testimonies. We love that. You can send us money. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Um, I've got a donate button. I think. Do we have it on our YouTube page as well, or a donate button? I don't know. No idea. But subscribe to our YouTube channel, Shaman Sister Sessions. And also you can like our videos and uh, like our, give us stars on iTunes and Stitcher and, uh, you know, tell your friends, share on Facebook. If you receive any value from any of our episodes, it's super helpful for us because we love doing this and getting the word out about this work. Mm -hmm. And Michelle, do you have anything coming up before you come down here? Uh, not before I come down there. I'm trying to remember what we're talking about next week so I can give people a heads up. I don't remember what topic we decided. Um, I've got my I Am Alchemy work that if you're interested in speaking with me about alchemy and where you are in your own personal alchemy, uh, you can send me a message again through that shamansistersessions at gmail.com and we can go ahead from there and and tune into based on and some of this actually came up in our last episode that we did about alchemy of the personal process and that's something that I am shepherding people through in a few different ways both individually and then as part of a training program so I am alchemy and personal alchemy work is what's on my radar and what I'm excited about these days oh and I've got an event um, tomorrow tomorrow Wednesday which is tomorrow. If you're here local in the Portland area, I'm doing a full moon in Leo lunar alchemy event. So if you're local and you'd like to come, you can go ahead and register for that. Thanks, Michelle. And Michelle will be down here for Open Your Channel Retreat the 9th, 10th, and 11th of February. It is going to be amazing. Uh, lots of experiential practices and working on increasing our abilities and skills. And then we will also be hosting a, um, a shorter kind of day, um, day long, 
experience, which is called visionary code activation, visionary code activation. So it's going to be a lot of, of, um, of beautiful work, embodiment and channeling and, Mm -hmm. um, working on installing new visionary codes and clearing out anything that's in the way of those codes being there. So, uh, again, engage with us on our Facebook page, Shaman Sister Sessions. And one more thing for Michelle. One more thing. I just looked up our episode for next week because I wanted people to get excited. We're talking about Dark Night of the Soul. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Dark Night of the Soul. Shadow stuff. We love this shit. So, you know, everybody's had one, at least one, probably more than one, um, you know, crisis of faith. What does it mean when we're going through the darkest of dark? Mm -hmm. What is the role, the vital role that that plays in our spiritual awakening and evolution? So join us next week for a live panel on Dark Night of the Soul. Yay. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, let's have a hiccup. And we will, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.